You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Hello there. Welcome to the show. I am so excited about today's episode. But before we get into it, I just want to say that if you would like to get 20% off of your order of Pacha Bread, which we're about to dive into, you can use the code TheRefinedHippie. I will put all of the information in the show notes. Many of you may know that I am gluten-free. It's actually one of the first things I changed in my diet many years ago when I started on my health journey and having digestive issues. Of course, at the time, I had no idea why. It was just a new buzzword, but it did help. I felt lighter and more clear-headed, and many others are seeing the benefits of going gluten-free, and there is a surge of different products on the market. But as always, they are not all created equal. Today's guests, Maddie and Adam, are also passionate about gluten-free, so much so that they created a delicious wholesome bread that tastes great and leaves you feeling incredible. Pacha is a certified organic bread made from sprouted and fermented buckwheat, a crop that's good for soil health, has a delicious hearty flavor, a plethora of health benefits, plus important for regenerative agriculture. We get into all things gluten-free, obviously, buckwheat, soil health, sustainability. We, of course, talk about how Pacha got started, cover crops, benefits of growing buckwheat, why we should soak and sprout things, compostable packaging, convenience culture, how they got into whole foods, the impact of nutrient inputs, dead zones, and so much more. So without further ado, here is my interview with Adam and Maddie of Pacha. Hello, Adam and Maddie. Welcome. Hello, hello. Hello. I'm so excited to have you on uh, to prepare for this podcast. I just finished my lunch and I had some pacha bread. So <laughs> it was delicious as usual. I had pacha bread this morning for breakfast also. So nice. <laughs> Two of us. <laughs> what is your... What is your yeah what's your like go-to way to have 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 your bread do you have like a certain way that you always like make it or fix it or depends i mean the kind of go-to is just with butter yeah just but i had some homemade jam as well we had we bought we cooked down a bunch of berries and i had some homemade jam with my pacha bread this morning nice that sounds amazing. I had a I had a bean dip that I had made a couple of days ago and I finished it last night and I was super bummed today because I was like, dang it, that would have been really good with that, but it's fine. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Next time. Next time. Well, I am really excited to talk about obviously your your company, your bread, Pacha. Um, but there's a lot of other topics that I think y'all are passionate about that we can cover as well. But before we kind of get into that, I I love to um, hear, I call it the origin story. So kind of like, I mean, obviously y'all are together, y'all are a couple. So like kind of how y'all met and then how 
how you started Pacha? Like how did, what was the, how did it all start out? <laughs> uh, my baby is like crawling. She's like pushing my legs apart so she can crawl. Between them, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, we, okay. So how Adam and I met, um, we both practice acro yoga, which is like partner acrobatics combined with yoga. Um, and we met through an event that our acro, our San Diego acro community like put together a little camp and we met at a at a camping weekend with the acro folks. Um, what was what's interesting about, you know, it wasn't because of the bread that we got together, but <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't been eating. I mean, I hadn't been eating bread for years. Um, I think probably at some point in college, I just like was like, you know what? Gluten just does not make me feel good. There weren't any good gluten-free options at that time. And I was just like, okay, I just don't eat bread anymore. And I got used to that. And on the weekend that I met Adam, he had some of like the previous iteration of this bread, which had like sunflower and flax and, and buckwheat. Um, it was like a super hearty CD bread. It was delicious. Oh. And he shared some with me and I was just like, what? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That was the early, the early days before we started iterating the recipe and I was just eating this bread that I was getting from a friend and trying to convince, you know, someone to take this idea and like, you know, run with it and make this bread on a larger scale. And then eventually no one did it. So we did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. Uh, to find, uh, I mean, there are some gluten-free options, but none that have as little ingredients as y'all's does. Like most yeah. of them at least have like 10 or so, you know, like even yeah. I don't know, like eight or something ingredients, yeah. but it's like as minimal as it can be. I don't, I don't understand yeah. how it's even possible but <laughs> to do such yeah. a thing, but y'all figured it out. So yeah. And I mean, that's, that's when we originally started making the bread, like I said, um, the, the version that he shared with me at that time was a bread that was made with buckwheat and sunflower seed and flax and flavorings. And, um, it was more, it was more complex than what we make now, but for the first few years of our relationship, we lived in a community house and we were kind of making the bread like, because we wanted to eat it. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and our, both Adam and I, and some of our roommates would like experiment with it and try different flavors and try different, like, oh, like how much water are we putting in? How much, um, how long are we letting it ferment? All these things. Um, and over the course of a few years of the, like three or four of us kind of making this bread for our community, our family, um, we, we kind of found some different ways of doing things and then, and yeah, at some point we realized that we actually didn't need to include flax as a binder. Um, and that opened up the door to just like, oh my gosh, we can make bread with literally buckwheat. <laughs> you don't even have to put the salt in, but it tastes better. No way. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Did you, was buckwheat, like even when you had other seeds, was buckwheat always in the mix? Yeah, it was yeah. always the it was always the main the, the largest quantity of ingredient in the mm. bread. 
but the sunflower was in there had about half of the some quantity of sunflower to, to buckwheat and another big piece of this was like during covid there was all sorts of supply chain issues and particularly we were having a really hard time find getting our organic sunflower and flax and at times it was becoming really expensive or we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get it so i kind of took these experiments we were doing and we were like okay if we want to simplify our supply chain, what can we cut out? And we just started going through that process, both with our flavored kind of herbs and spices and trying to narrow that down, as well as with the main base. And when we found we could just do buckwheat by itself, it was awesome because it made the supply chain more simplified and um, it made it a lot easier for us to work on the regenerative certification, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. And so it really opened up a lot of doors for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, another little piece of our origin story is that we, you know, <clears throat> finally decided that we were going to launch this thing and we were going to be the ones that scaled the business. And this, let's see, we we got into our first kitchen on April 1st of 2020. So just right at the Interesting time. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like cool. The entire world is changing. You're launching a business, but that's not the yeah, only thing. It's that's fine. Changing. It's fine. Why not? It's now or never. <laughs> yeah, when it rains, of course. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I love it, and I I um I was trying to think about how I had discovered Pacha, and I'm I for all the negative things with social media, there are some good things, of course, and I'm pretty sure it was a targeted ad. So yep. they're on point there because <laughs> I mean, you had me at buckwheat and you had me at like sprouted. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've loved buckwheat for, I've been gluten-free for, I don't know, like almost 10 years, probably. I had like major digestive problems, autoimmune issues and mm. going gluten-free, which at that time, I didn't know why I was even going gluten-free. It just was kind of trendy at that point. It was like a new, a new term that I feel like people were, I don't know jump a bandwagon that people were jumping onto. And so I did it and I felt so much better. I felt lighter. It was like my blood was lighter, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and then when I have kind of eaten stuff, especially if it wasn't organic, I would like feel it in my joints. You know, if I had like, it was like a sour, like I did this a couple of years ago, I had some sourdough. It was from a local bakery, all the kind of things. And the next day I had like in, my knees hurt and I was like, this is yeah. like, yeah. I should not be eating this. Yeah. And what's wild is like, there's so many people that probably just like, aren't able to make that correlation. Right. Totally. Like, because they don't have, they like don't have an awareness around it or gluten is just like such a staple in their diet. There's no, there's no way of mm -hmm. making the connection between like, Oh, when I eat gluten, my head hurts. Like, right. Well, and people or, get so used to their symptoms, you know, they get so when you, right. they get so used to feeling bad, but it's just their norm. So they don't know any different, you know, um, and, and sometimes I'll say like, I'm not gluten free. I'm glyphosate free because it's more like I just organic right. all day long, you know, like I, yeah, I'm totally. very sensitive to pesticides and, um, and because I had digestive problems, I mean, it destroys your gut microbiome. So super important. <laughs> so cute. Their daughter, Amina, if anybody's Hi, actually, yeah. On the screen. Oh my she, gosh. She loves buttons. Mm -hmm. I love buttons. There's so everything she loves is a dog, is doggy right now. So doggy? She's saying doggy. Doggy. Do y'all have a dog? 
We don't, but she loves um, but dogs. But she just like, <laughs> every time she sees one. <laughs> so cute. She sees anything that she likes, really. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, and buckwheat. Um, I I love buckwheat so much. So ch- chat a little bit about buckwheat, because a lot of times when I will mention buckwheat to a client or a friend or someone, and they're like, but I thought you were gluten-free. And I'm like, well, it's not, it doesn't actually have wheat. It's kind of like a peanut, you know, peanuts mm-hmm. are not a nut, they're a legume <laughs> and it's confusing to a lot of people. So why, like, why is buckwheat so wonderful? Buckwheat is also confusing in that manner that buckwheat is actually not a grain. It's a pseudo cereal or like, it's actually a seed. So it's technically grain-free. Um, and buckwheat's an incredible ingredient. I mean, like we've already talked about, it acts as its own binder. So you don't need all these fillers and binders to be added to it. Um, it's high in magnesium. Um, it's when it's sprouted and fermented, it's super digestible and all the, you know, all the nutrients are bioavailable. Um, and so it's just an incredible ingredient. And plus it also has all sorts of other utility in regenerative agriculture, which mm-hmm. we could talk all day about. Let's talk about it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so for those who haven't heard of regenerative agriculture, mm-hmm. um, there is a movement um, now across the world to kind of go beyond mm-hmm. organic. Um, you know, with organic farming, you can do you can do a lot of things like you can you can use manure that's from like a traditional uh, feed lot. So cows that have been eating genetically modified and pesticide laden food, um, their feces can be used to, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Gross. Yeah. So there's just certain things we about organic. Farming. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. It's not necessarily, it's not the, the worst thing, but it's definitely not the best. But and we so don't want to, I also don't want to um, contribute to that industry. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so there, there's a movement to, to make farming, to, to, to implement farming practices that actually are building soil, um, that are using animals in, uh, in the way that like that, the, the animals are helping to cycle nutrients in back into the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, really the main thing about regenerative agriculture is, is, is soil health and, um, Farmers who practice regenerative methods really want to keep their topsoil in place because topsoil is, it's, you know, it's a mixture of, it's a mixture of dirt and organic material and worms and microbes and all, it's a living ecosystem that is the vehicle that transfers nutrients into plants. Without topsoil, you can't grow food. (laughs) And in conventional agriculture, there's an idea that if you just have the if you just have the right balance of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, you can grow anything you want. Right. And we are very quickly learning that that is not true. Um, many of the fields that are conventionally farmed are stripped of their topsoil, and then uh, like it's we're we're experiencing the dust bowl again. Right. This right. is because the the farms are just stripping away the topsoil. And then what's left is dirt. And yeah, apparently can... we didn't learn our lesson then, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so buckwheat is something that it's a plant that is often used as a cover crop. Um, and what that means is it can be planted. It can be planted either in between 
crop rotations. You want me to take her? Sure. I'll say that again. Okay. <laughs> so buckwheat can be used as a cover crop, which means that it can either be planted alongside of another crop or in between crop rotations so that the soil hmm. has roots in it the entire season, the entire year. Um, and that that makes sure that one, the topsoil doesn't blow away, but two, it provides aeration and ecosystem for all of the critters that are necessary for having healthy topsoil. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's a, it's amazing. <laughs> Oftentimes there are like there's some there's some farmers who even use buckwheat um, and they don't they don't even harvest it. It's just a great crop for serving soil. Yeah, and buckwheat's a short crop, so I think you mentioned this, but farmers often one it's a longer crop. It takes you know longer to to grow and harvest, and then they have a short amount of time, you know, a shorter seat half of the year, or they don't really have time to plant most crops, and so the soil will stay fallow, or maybe they'll plant a cover crop, and they'll just till it back in the soil before they plant their you know their annual crop, and so buckwheat's a short crop and it's fast to harvest. So they can actually get, a farmer can get two harvests out of their soil, out of the same plot of land with buckwheat, rotating it with something like corn or um, or wheat or whatever else they're growing. Um, Soybeans or something. And so, yeah, soy or whatever, but even, you know, a legume is also, legumes are also a short crop. So rotating mm. in a short crop that serves the soil, but also gives the farmer more income and it's right. a higher income crop than some of these kind of traditional um, commodity crops. And so right. farmers can, you know, make a lot more money off of their farm, off of their existing land, and and also benefit the soil, you know, with a crop like buckwheat. So it's really an incredible addition to a farm rotation. Totally. Do yeah. you feel like buckwheat is kind of becoming more well-known and being more used in America, American farms? or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think just from companies like us and there's a company called Little Bucks. It's actually based here in San Diego as well. That makes like buckwheat cluster kind of snacks. And, mm. you know, of course, I think everyone's very familiar with buckwheat pancakes and those have been around for a long time. But I feel like buckwheat is just becoming more prevalent in in products in the United mm. States. Mm -hmm. And like, for instance, with our buckwheat, we contracted a thousand acres of buckwheat with farmers that weren't growing buckwheat before. Oh, wow. So like we added a thousand acres of buckwheat to farms that just didn't have that in the rotation before. And they're like, oh, someone wants to buy regenerative buckwheat. I, I will I will grow regenerative buckwheat for them and sell it to them. Sure. Like, wow. That's, that's great. So that's awesome. that was by the farms that weren't already growing buckwheat and now they are. So, you know, it's. Was that someone that you, I mean, you were already getting some product yeah. from, some crop from them and and then just brought it to their attention that you wanted buckwheat or how did that, how does, I have no idea how that. Yeah, totally. So luckily for us, we were, we connected with a farmer that both has his own farm and grows and sells his ingredients and he works with other farmers and he sources ingredients and, you know, sells them to mostly wholesale and a little bit of retail as well. And so he, we, we were talking with him about wanting to be certified regenerative and telling him about our demand for next year. And he was like, okay, cool. Like we need to get a thousand acres. I don't have a thousand acres to sell you of buckwheat. So I'm going to go out and work with some of these other farmers that I'm already working with. And 
convinced them to get certified regenerative and to grow buckwheat. So he had to go out in like the course of a month and convince, because it was like right before planting time. So he was like, we have like two weeks to get this done. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and get this crop in the ground because it's time to plant. And so he went out and literally in two weeks, he was like, okay, I've got a thousand acres, five farmers, like we're ready to go. We're planting buckwheat. Wow, that's awesome. So, and that's um, a thousand acres will yield us um, about, it's like 48,000, it's like 480,000 pounds of buckwheat. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot of buckwheat. <laughs> yeah. so that'll be our buckwheat from like october november of this year all the way till october november of next year so it's about like a year's worth of of bread Mm -hmm. buckwheat bread (laughs) assuming you know all goes as projected which we could do less than that and so that's all the thing with like contracting with farmers it's like their yield could be less than they thought it could be more than they thought and our demand could be so it's this crazy game of just like okay let's take our best guess and do our projections and let's hope that there's a good yield and it's a good season and you guys get water like you know last year was actually a bad year and the buckwheat yields were like 50 percent of what farmers were expecting yeah what state do you get your buckwheat from is it in california or is it somewhere else no mostly it comes from midwest farms in north dakota minnesota it's south dakota and south dakota yeah nice Um, I wonder if, so I'm in, I'm in North Carolina. Um, most of my family is in South Carolina, but I wonder, I, I know nobody, I've never heard of, I don't know if buckwheat can grow out here. I have no idea, but I'm curious. I'm going to find out. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Likely it can grow. Um, it may not be the ideal place. Maybe well, maybe not well, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. You may also just have like, because you have a longer growing season, it may not make sense to plant something like buckwheat if they're able to do like two higher value crops anywhere where grains are growing if you have you know wheat or or yeah like any other type of grain um they'll be potentially growing there then buckwheat probably would grow there fine too yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah i mean your question about like do you do you think that buckwheat is becoming more well known you know, I definitely don't think that buckwheat has the the same market attention as it does in like China or Russia. Um, but I do think it's on the up and up, especially as people are jumping onto the gluten-free bandwagon. Uh, something like 10% of the U.S. is following the gluten-free diet. So yeah. Maybe a little bit more, actually. Um, so, yeah, as people are looking for those options, buckwheat kind of arises as as a pretty pretty good one um i do think it's a little bit confusing though like the the wheat and the names oh, yeah. so oh, you yeah. are new to you're like oh i can't have that it's wheat, wheat. <laughs> well and the fact that it's like not even a grain it's like a pseudo grain it's like a seed it's like so confusing like why 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 did it get named that i don't know Maybe. i know right y'all know i don't know <laughs> not yeah i don't know the origin story of the name buckwheat actually interesting yeah but buckwheat has been eaten. I mean, it's like an ancient kind oh, of like, yeah, yeah like superfood. Yeah. Especially in places yeah. like Russia and China or in Japan where it's like, mm-hmm. it's a staple ingredient in their diet. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Did they just cook it like, like in, in Japan, did they just normally eat it as we do like rice and things like that? Or do you know how they normally prepare it? 
Um, well, you in in Russia, I know it's very common to cook it just like a cereal, like like you would cook a cereal or something. Um, in Japan, I believe that they, I mean, they use it to make noodles, so they'll Ooh. turn it into bubble flour. Oh, like uh, soba noodles. Soba noodles. Oh, yeah, I love exactly. soba noodles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do believe, like you know, in before they would they would make like a like a gruel out of it, and then they could also make cook the gruel into cakes. Um, Yum. Um, so. Also, I know, like I said, y'all had me at sprouted. So um, I'm a big proponent of soaking and sprouting everything or anything <laughs> that you can. So chat with us a little bit about uh, why you soak and sprout your buckwheat. Like why it's so great. Yeah, it's like, so so um, soaking is really important and sprouting uh, for, for multiple reasons. One, the soaking... Um, removes the the lectins and the phytic acid and <clears throat> so we soak and then we rinse away that soaking water so you don't want to like soak and then cook your ingredient with the soaking water you want to rinse that away and mm -hmm. and wash the wash the um grain or seed that you're soaking and then during that process it's also sprouting so we get like normally we get like the beginning of the sprouting process so oftentimes we'll get like the tail is just starting to pop out we don't want to sprout to the point of it being like a full sprout because then it gets more vegetal and it loses the properties of the kind of pseudo grain, mm -hmm. which makes it more bready and more, you know, right. gives it that binding effect as well. So we just start the sprouting process, which unlocks a bunch of nutrients. And so with the soaking and sprouting combined, you're taking away the anti-nutrients, the phytic acid and the lectins, which bind to minerals and nutrients in your body and take them with, take them out of your body. So it prevents you from absorbing those minerals. And then you're also unlocking nutrients by doing, by beginning the sprouting process. And so it's, you know, it's a great one too, for a lot of, I mean, like as much as possible, any grain or seed or nut that we eat, it's always best to soak and sprout them. Um, to for this exact reason for removing the anti-nutrients and for unlocking more of the potential of the the seed totally this is like yeah. like so many people um claim that they can't eat beans or legumes and i'm like well how are you eating them you know it's probably because they're not prepared the right way or they're you know from a can or whatnot and uh yeah. when you think about our ancestors or what or you know even people from a few generations behind us, they definitely were soaking and sprouting dried goods, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I was just thinking about that. Like really everything that we're doing at Pacha is just doing things the way that our ancestors used to do things, the way that we're encouraging and like sourcing our ingredients for farming. Regenerative agriculture is not new. Our indigenous people and our ancestors, that's how they farmed because they didn't have access to the chemicals and they didn't have access to you know the big machinery and the same with soaking and sprouting it's just the way that everyone prepared their nuts and seeds and legumes because they needed to because they needed to get all of the nutrients out of the things they were eating because they didn't have access to like the abundance of food that we have at costco and everywhere these days where it's just you know well, those are empty calories anyways <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know exactly like people are i forget there's some quote that's like you know I don't know, it's something to the effect of being, you know, we're all, we're not, we're like all well-fed, but not well-nourished or something to that extent, you know, like, and obviously you can see that with um, 
the obesity rise, like people are definitely eating enough food. They're just not eating food that's actually good for them. <laughs> um, you know, seed oils are kind of like the hidden thing in all of the ingredients in the industry. And that was one of the things from day one, we were just like, we will not put seed oils in our product or on our product. It's not going to touch our product. And because like, even with our machinery, you know, we've just gotten a bunch of machinery. They're all greased in some kind of like machine, machine grease or yeah. whatever. And yeah. And I'm like, and we took apart one of our machines, the depositor before we started using it. And it had all that machine grease and it. it's like moving the machine. So it, so it works properly. I'm like, what is this stuff? <laughs> sort of vegetable oil, grease or machine grease. And so we just replaced it all with organic olive oil. And I asked the guy, I'm like, hey, is it okay for us to use organic olive oil? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> well, well, we're going to use organic olive oil. He's like, yeah, you might bust some extra, like O-rings might, you know, you might need to replace the O-rings more often or something. But if you use the olive oil, like, every day it should be fine and whatever and i was just like yeah that's what we're gonna do like i'm not gonna put some unknown grease in this machine which we don't have to put in our ingredient list so like a lot of the foods we're eating are getting pumped out of machines that are greased with like machine yeah. grease Ew, i never thought about that <laughs> yeah so it's just like the thing <clears throat> like no it's not going in the food so i think that's a big one too for us was like we don't want to put oil at all in our product um we have been using organic olive oil to grease the um the bun pans so that to, the buns come out it's the so minimal grease. yeah it's like yeah so tiny it's minimal. just recently found that we don't we're actually popping out of the pans without the oil so we're probably going to stop using the organic olive oil you know on the greasing of the pans we put it in the ingredient list even though we don't have to it's very present on the outside of the product because it's greased in the pan so yeah felt like it was we felt like it made sense to put it on the ingredient oh yeah because that's on just one so i brought i bought a six pack last time but it's only on one of them isn't it like the garlic and rot which one is it buns Buns. oh the buns that's what it is yeah 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 buns i didn't hear the buns part yeah and i did i just i I just thought maybe like you wanted it a different texture or something i had no idea but now we know so um going back just i just wanted to comment about just going back to the regenerative agriculture thing um you know it's just kind of like like you're saying, that's just what our ancestors did. They didn't have a name for it, you know, just like organic. Like these are just terms that we have to give things now because everything is so toxic. But like our grandparents didn't have organic food because everything was organic, you know. Get away from like regenerative agriculture with mechanized farming. Um, and some in, more inputs were coming in, but yeah. And like the processed food revolution also. These mm-hmm. that was my grandmother definitely was very excited to have the convenience of i mean i don't blame them you know like yeah i mean when you were spending like you know half your day in the kitchen although now i feel like there's everything people are kind of going backwards to that because it's like well now we realize like the less time you spend in the kitchen probably the more unhealthy you are (laughs) sadly you know yeah totally yeah we adam and i definitely like we're fairly extreme with our with our food choices we really are we're really like committed to removing like our packaging footprint so that means that like crackers and chips and like anything that comes in a in a bag we we just either don't have it or we make it ourselves so we spend a lot of time like sprouting nuts and making our own nut butter and 
Um, we make bread sometimes. We make granola. We make just like, I think a lot of people would probably be like, why are you spending Why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you can just buy a bag of that at the grocery store, right? And it's like, well, yeah. And, you know, it's really hard to find products that actually align with all of our, our values. So, yeah. Well, and, and this can segue into the next conversation, which would be the packaging, because, um, I mean, your company is making compostable packaging, which is like, what, how, what, how many companies are out there doing that? Not very many, but then you, if, if they were doing that, maybe you would feel more inclined to buy crackers from, you know, a different company if they totally. were. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> we might end up making crackers just so that we can. Yeah. Yes, do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Pacha is, as far as I know, the first bread on the market that will be sold in a 100% home compostable, certified home compostable bag um we already right now the the package is a, a cardboard box with a like a compostable vacuum seal bag um both of those are fully compostable but we realize that we actually don't need to vacuum seal the bread um and so by putting it in uh, just like a more traditional bread bag we reduce the amount of material that we use all around you know we're not using any more cardboard and we actually use less of the of the um the cassava eucalyptus based biofilm so yeah our packaging is even getting more streamlined uh, eco yeah. <laughs> yeah that's amazing so what yeah. is the packaging what is it made is made out of cassava and what cassava and eucalyptus eucalyptus cool yeah I don't know everything about it. <laughs> How is this made? I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. We're switching products right now. I mean, it will be the same. We're switching to a new film supplier. So yeah. it might not be the solid eucalyptus, but it's still, you know, certified home compostable. And it'll be a fully printed bread bag that's home compostable. And yeah, that's we're really excited about it. It's one of we're about to, I don't know if yeah, might as well. Might as well. We're about to launch into Whole Foods. Um, and one of the big reasons why the buyer, the global buyer, you know, the, the national buyer wanted to bring us in was because of our packaging. She was really? like, she was like, yeah, maybe if you all show up on the scene, the little guy with home combustible packaging, some of the bigger players will see that and they will follow suit. So right. we're hoping that that's I the mean, case. that would be insane. That would be huge. I think about that yeah. every time yeah. I go to the grocery store. Cause, it, and you know, most people think that they're you know, they recycle and they, they try to be, you know, they might even carry their own bags to the grocery store, but then they, you look in their cart and you're like, everything you just bought, like 90% of that is all, is all in a plastic bag. And then, and then you can't yeah. recycle that. Like you just put that in the trash and then it ends up in a freaking landfill. And then, yeah. Yeah. It hurts. Totally. Yeah. I, yep. <laughs> <laughs> we shop, we shop at a co-op mostly. And then also with direct from farm and, and with, you know, sales suppliers and stuff, we get stuff in bulk, but we go in our co-op and we literally don't go into the aisles. We just like go into the produce section and then we go there like the dairy and we get like our butter and our milk that <laughs> and our milk comes in a glass jug and we make our own yogurt now. So we don't even get that one in the glass thing anymore. And then we're just, we're gone. It's just, we just do like a loop around the outside. Yeah. And then we don't step foot in the aisles unless we're buying like tomato paste or something in a can. Like there's like very few things that we go into the mill for. 
which I remember a long time ago, someone saying like, if you want to clean up your diet, just don't go into the middle. Yes. of the grocery store. Yeah. yeah. All right. I've seen it's a meme for that too, or something. It's like, you know, or like, you know, um, it's like, well, if there's like a health food section, then what is the rest of the grocery store? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Right. Like there's the health it's section, but everything else is like, yeah. thinking is going to oh. kill you. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely these days going into like a traditional grocery store, like a like a Ralph's or a Kroger. Or... It's eye opening, really. It's like wow. I know. Wow, ninety five, ninety nine percent of what's here. I sh- I'm just I'm not going to put it in my body. It's... Why is the the water bottle aisle a full aisle of different types of water bottles? You know, it's just like. You go into our co-op and it's like, there's one laundry detergent. Two, there's one of this type of soap. There's, we don't need. And they have the bulk, the bulk stuff too, you know, like we we have a co-op here too and I love it. And you can take your little jar and get your, you know, Dr. Bronner's suds or whatever they are. What are they called? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing though. Like it's, we, Adam and I are not, the typical consumer in America. And like we have as a culture gotten so used to having the convenience of just being able to go and like even something that even something like going into a bulk section and measuring out your own package of oats, using you know, just like using what's there to like package your own. Some people are just not willing to take the time to do that. So it's really like we put ourselves in a really interesting situation where like, I don't know if, I mean, I personally feel like the solution or like one way we could go is for more people to start taking on these practices, like slowing down and spending more time with their food, both shopping for it and preparing it. And I don't think that that's going to make like that shift isn't going to happen fast enough. So there's something else that needs to happen too. And that's, I think also why having the the bread in a compostable bag is so important to us. So it's like, not everybody's going to make their own bread. Right. It'd be great if we could sell the idea of making your own bread at home, <laughs> but that's probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> you know, if you want to sprout and ferment it, that's better. You don't have to. Um, so it's like, it's not hard to make this bread. And most people aren't going to make their own bread at home. So yeah, it's really important that more products are doing, you know, putting their stuff into sustainable packaging. And we hope we're not the only bread in packaging in the in like a year from now. Hopefully we, we revisit this and we're like, cool. Now there's like three or four or five breads on a national level that are in packaging. Mm-hmm. And definitely if there's, you know, more companies that uh, are creating that, those compostable materials, right? Um, then it'll be easier for for companies to try to yeah 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 the price and the, the quality of those compostable materials continues to get better yeah I mean it's like yeah. you know it's like everything like TVs used to be like ten thousand dollars and now you can you know buy them for like three hundred dollars or whatever people buy that that kind of stuff like price always goes down eventually so um yeah but hopefully it happens faster than you know quicker than later <laughs> yeah yeah with the trajectory of the world. 
Yeah, I mean, the ideal thing would just be that Pacha starts taking so much market share from the big companies that they they have exactly. to switch. Exactly. They just have to. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for y'all to be in Whole Foods. Is it going to be nationwide, like every Whole Foods? Like, yeah. Oh, in the frozen section. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I guess that um, that kind of covers uh, unless, I mean, that's y'all's big news for sure is like going in Whole Foods. That is like, oh my God, did y'all freak out when you found out? We freaked out. <laughs> we freaked out and like it was such a long, like we had been pitching Whole Foods for two and a half years and even the pitch that was eventually accepted was like, you know, so many steps and stage gates and processes and so it's been this long kind of like, oh Drug my out. gosh, we're in Whole Foods. We have so much work to do to get ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of freaked out. We're like, oh shit. We have oh to, God, it's getting real now. We have to be able to make enough bread for Whole Foods. We have to be able to make enough bread for Whole Foods. All right, yeah. let's do this. <laughs> yeah. because how much do you have to scale up for that? I would think substantially. substantially. Yeah, substantially. I mean, we need, we're going to be making like three to four times as much bread as we were making before. Um, and and you know now that we have the equipment we are also like going to be scaling up our our direct consumer efforts as well um but it it's all it was all planned growth right like we it was all stuff that we knew was coming um so it's not like we had to make the plan right when we got all of it was like okay we have the plan we just now it's like yeah that's what we still need to raise more capital we're actually still in the middle of taking on investment from, you know, um, direct investment from, from people there that believe in the vision. And... Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. going to be a process. That's definitely. And, and right now, um, you know, small, small brands are definitely warriors in the current market. It is not easy for anyone to raise money, even if you have, even if you have a great idea, even if you have, I mean, Pacha, like we've got, we've got sales that are like hockey sticking online. We have all of the, like all of the aligned values. So many people see our company and they're like, wow, you guys are doing everything. You're, you are the future. Like bread companies, food companies need to start looking like this. You're ahead of the game and we're still having a hard time getting capital um so yeah, and you're yeah, in california which definitely... i feel like of all the places to be california and in, in america california would be definitely the best as far as the food the healthy food movement you know oh yeah for yeah. Sure. yeah for sure and, and we've raised you know a good bit a good chunk like 2.4 million dollars of our 3.4 targeted raise and so it's happening it's happening very slowly and community-based we've brought in investment from 35 direct investors and six or 700 people on WeFunder. So we brought in, it's really a community-based company now. I mean, we're almost 50% community-owned after this investment round is done. So It's incredible, y'all. I feel like y'all have just done so much in in really a short amount of time for, you know, in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah, totally. And considering you started in... 2020. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. One other like kind of fun um, 
company background or company story around that is because we started during COVID. Um, my my brother lives in San Diego and she, um, yeah, my brother lives in San Diego and he was doing like event work and you know, COVID happened and there wasn't any more event work happening. So um he actually came on as our first employee and he has grown to be our, our become our production manager. Um, and yeah, so family business, me, Adam, and my brother are all like kind of running the company. And then even in our production, we have two different other families. We've got um, a dad, a son, and the son's girlfriend all work for us. And then we also have a family of like four, um, mom, dad, Two, two kids who all work at Pacha. So it's a family oh, business. Awesome. <laughs> like like at every level. a true family affair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, like one of our employees, he he wants to start working for us. He was doing good. He was like, hey, my wife really wants to work here. And we're like, okay, that, yeah, sure, why not? And then he was like, hey, my son really wants to work here. And he was like, hey, my other son really wants to work here. We're like, all right, bring him on. They're Why all not? great. So, like, <laughs> yeah, if they're anything like you, which they are probably, we'll take then, them. Yeah, then you want them for sure. Yeah. yeah, to be, to have, I mean, just a great community and employees that you like and, or that you trust and, you know, working with people who are, have the same vision is super important. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even... It's kind of an interesting thing, right? Owning, running a business where there is definitely for us as founders, the deeper motivation of doing business differently and doing things, not just for the the dollar, but for people on the, on the planet. Well, it's, but, it's, it's um, it have it going into business for, you know, with integrity, I guess is kind of the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Like the traditional reason, like they just, you know, people would just want to make money, which obviously making money is important. We have to live and you have to, you have, we have to have money. So yeah. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes like even if they're, even if a company like Pacha exists and has like, has these values, that's not always the reason that somebody wants to work for, for a company. Like people want to work for a company that pays them well and takes care of them and and so like yeah we're we're also in we're in that game as well to just create a work environment that is that's fulfilling what other people need you know there's some people aren't driven by like wow this company is doing amazing things for the world I'm totally okay with working for less pay (laughs) (laughs) no that's not how that works usually yeah not usually so yeah yeah we'll we'll we're we're not a benefit corporation but we are definitely like doing everything we can to um align with benefit corporation standards and you know one day we would really like to seek that certification um and yeah just all around benefit the planet benefit our employees benefit the market make it better yeah so we need we need more we need more companies that have that vision you know and that philosophy so um, then maybe our planet wouldn't be <laughs> in the state that it's in. Yeah. And I do really think that like 
businesses and brands have they have so much power um to make change i i was a <laughs> i studied oceanography i saw that so on your on your website yeah. yeah yeah um when adam and i met i was um getting my phd here in san diego and i worked um i worked in the oceanography world for about a year after i graduated but my motivation for you know studying the ocean was like okay i want to i want to i want to contribute to this climate change issue like i obviously we need to know more <laughs> or we would be making changes right and yeah as i learned more i was like oh that's not actually what's happening there's um we know plenty and we're just not making change and so meeting adam and um realizing that you know, he he also founded um, co-founded Boochcraft, which is like a organic. I tried it. I was yeah. in LA in 2019 visiting a friend, and I had never tried hard kombucha before, and that was the first one I did. I actually came back to Charleston and was like, "I'm gonna make hard kombucha," because at that time I actually was making kombucha. But let me tell you, hard mm. kombucha, obviously, you know, is harder. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it takes yeah, longer. Yeah. I went through like yep. one or two cycles and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. It's delicious. Yeah, that's one that's it's definitely delicious. like, yeah, I'm just going to buy that. Bootcraft yeah. make it and I'll just buy it. That's fine. It's great. It's delicious. <laughs> I can buy that. It's in a can or a yeah. jar or a can. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's in a can now. Yeah. But so, I mean, I saw what he was doing with Bootcraft and, and they also have regenerative efforts and they support regenerative, regenerative farms and bioorganic ingredients and all that. And, um, you know, just, just seeing Adam, who was like equally concerned like he had just as much passion about the environment as I did and was just coming at it at a completely different angle like how am I how am I going to contribute to this oh I'm going to start businesses that do things the right way and I just yeah at some point I was working for the Navy and like as a as a civilian scientist I was working for the Navy and just like wow okay like I'm working for the military how did this happen (laughs) how did I get here hold on (laughs) And uh, yeah, the opportunity to work on a on a on a values based business with Adam was definitely enough to take me away from the world of oceanography, as interesting as it is. Um, yeah, I mean, what is really? the ta- going back to oceanography? Like, what would you say your like main takeaway from from that experience was when it in regards to the planet or the ocean? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, with regards to the planet, I think the main t- the main takeaway for me really was what I what I said, which is like we we know we know that what we're doing is making the planet warmer and it's making the climate shift, like the pollution. Which I always say it's like it's it, people always say like oh humans aren't having an impact, but it it's not it's 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 the pollution that i think is the problem it's human right. pollution i mean that's what's causing the issues is i mean all the plastic in the ocean which right. I mean, you know more than i do but it's obviously microplastics and increasing yeah. the temperature of the ocean because of them leaching and all the things and <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think i think you're spot on there's there's the issue of global warming which is a huge issue but on top of that, there's, 
yeah, there's just all the ecological effects of of using of using pesticides, even of using fertilizers. Like one of the things that I learned. Um, Wow, that's loud. <laughs> One of the things that I learned um, about in my, actually it was an undergraduate and, but more um, in my graduate degree was like learning about specific ecosystems that are impacted by like nutrient inputs. So what happens is farmers buy, buy chemical fertilizers and put them all over their fields and then especially because of the issue we talked about where like the topsoil isn't being held in place, that all of that fertilizer just gets washed off. When there's a big rain, all of the fertilizers get washed into the waterways and then they flow out to the ocean. And what happens is there's this, like there's a big nutrient boom. So a bunch of stuff grows really fast and it uses up all of the oxygen and then everything dies. And so there's these huge anoxic zones, zones that have no oxygen where nothing can live, like no, no bacteria, no algae, nothing can be alive in the ocean in those places. And that's like the entire Gulf of Mexico, like, yeah, <laughs> which is just nuts. It's so, mind blowing. There's so, so much. And there's, you know, I mean, I think another takeaway from my graduate work was like, that there is so much going on in the world um, and there's so much to learn and to pay attention to. And, you know, we aren't all going to go and do what I did and like study one tiny thing and learn every single thing about it. But the more we can open our eyes and to just, the more we can look around at what's happening in our environment, the more we are going to get connected and realize like, oh, I'm a part of this. Like, but everything that I do, I'm not different from nature. My life is a part of disciples that are going on around me. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we're missing as, as humans. Totally. So that Disconnect. We don't feel totally that. disconnected. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, you know, we all move to these, these cities and, you know, live in these urban environments and then just feel like we're completely separate, but, and which is, we live on, we all live, most of us live somewhat unnatural lives anyways, with our, in our little houses and our little boxes, you know, with our yeah. air condition and like all our straight lines everywhere. Yeah. With our power lines <laughs> and our Wi-Fi and our, you know, yeah. but the, which is great though, at the same time. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, it's just, and, 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 you know, we see this with, um, obviously the, the, the failing of people's health in this country. And it's not just because of, of what we're eating. It's our disconnect from nature and our disconnect from what is natural and walking on the grass, you know, with no shoes on and like, you know, just sitting under a tree. I mean, it's like the most healing thing you can do is just connect, you know, with mother earth or whatnot, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, thinking, speaking of like, you know, going back to nature, I mean, obviously, like you said, like not everybody is going to be as extreme with how they prepare food or what they eat or whatnot. But if we can give them options, if if you can, you, (laughs) uh, (laughs) you can give people more options um, that, you know, companies can give people more options that are healthier for them and then the planet, like, 
I mean, what, what more can we ask for at this point? You know, cause then you, then people still can pick and choose. I do think that people should try to a little bit connect more with your food. Like you're saying, you oh, know, yeah. and, I, mean, I totally agree. <laughs> maybe not seeing it. It's just this vision of shifting our view on, on how we prepare or why we prepare, prepare food and how like not looking at it as so much of a chore as like, yeah. it's also kind of like how, um, you know, how lucky are you to get to have, you know, if you do have time. And I think that this is the problem too, is that most people in their minds, they don't have the time, although mm-hmm. then they'll sit on their phone for an hour and look at Instagram. So it's like, well, do you not have the time or are you just not prioritizing the time? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, we all have the time for the things that we really care about. Like, it's just a matter of prioritizing what things do we really care the most about? So, yeah. Well, it has been a pleasure. Um, I know Adam is, is taking care of the little baby. So, um, (laughs) I just heard her. I'm like, is he going to come back? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, it's been awesome chatting with y'all. Um, I guess if you have any news other than, or anything that any announcements other than y'all being in Whole Foods, I mean, maybe you can give a kind of timeline on when that projected. Yeah, we're, we're, um, we'll be a part of the October reset. So different stores will like actually put the product on the shelves at different times, but October will be, we'll be on, on the shelves at Whole Foods. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really close. <laughs> Which is great. And then I don't have to order it all the way from California. You know. to me, so. Yeah, you can just go pick it up. I know. It's going to be so good. <laughs> it's going to be so awesome. I'm super stoked. So, yeah. well, thanks. Thanks so much for coming yeah. on. And uh, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for uh, sharing the good word. <laughs> oh, always. <Yeah>. Always. <laughs> yeah. I hope you enjoyed that episode and learned something new. Like I said earlier, if you would like to try Pacha yourself, you can get 20% off of your order by using the code THEREFINEDHIPPIE on their website, livepacha.com. Again, I will put all that information in the show notes. I am obsessed with the bread. I think it's delicious. Uh, I would suggest toasting it in the toaster or toaster oven when you make it. Um, but it's great. And I, I like the six pack. So then you can get to try some of the different flavors, but it is the cleanest bread. Absolutely. That is out there. So give it a try, give it some love or be on the lookout next month in your local Whole Foods. And as always, my lovely friend, thank you for joining me. And until next time, peace and plants.